Welcome to FMRPG, the podcast that likes to go to conventions, but really doesn't care for the smell too much. I'm, Ri I'm Richie Buzzkill, and tonight I have two people that went to the largest uh, uh, gaming convention this side of Gen Con, uh, PAX U. I've got Kayla and Noland. Kayla, how are you doing? Hi, I am. I'm here. I am recovering from PAX still, so... <laughs> ah, you've got the Pax flu. I have, I have the vid or something. Not the vid. I took like three tests when I got home, but something brought something home from Pax, and it wasn't fun. Could be that new five uh, G uh, uh, part two that I'm hearing they're brewing up in uh, in China right now. Anyways, uh, Nolan, how are you? Hopefully, better. I'm well. <laughs> I'm well. I am not dying of the plague. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I, uh, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just recovering from getting my shots, so that's fun. So we're all feeling good, as it were. And I'm, ag I'm aggressively dressed as uh, Christmas right now by my red and green lights. If you're not watching on YouTube, um, and uh, I guess we'll start with you know you guys went to pax you unplugged it's i i i keep uh, i keep thinking of it as pax east but but that's a different thing that's got video games in it this is like we we took the we took the uh, scissors and cut the cable and then everybody had to be like oh man it's grandma and grandma grandpa's uh board game christmas uh <laughs> wow i i maybe i'm not recovered from that anyways uh, so Kayla, how, how did, this is your second PAX U, right? Yeah, I, I don't really count the first one. So I did go last year, but I only went for a day just to like pop up. And then I ended up working a booth for the entire day. So it wasn't really a full like convention experience. It was more of a like networking experience for me. And then I came back. Okay. Well, that's, that's, I mean, I count... <laughs> As someone that has run conventions or parts of conventions, I still count working a booth as the convention experience. It's just a selective, uh, uh, burdened few that get that. Uh, it, it's I can't even say joyful that experience. <laughs> it can be joyful. It can also be a lot of uh, drudgery. Anyways, uh, Nolan, you just went for the day, right? Yep, I, this was a scouting mission for me. I I uh, took the train up at ten on Friday and back at ten thirty on Saturday. Uh, just scoping it out. I had no booth, no duties, no anything. Just wander around and scope it out, and play some games. Okay, well, um, well, let's let's start in the traditional manner, but let's talk about because I didn't go to PAX U. But I want to know, uh, uh, Nolan, what did you play at PAX U? Um, like always, I played a uh, couple kind of indie things with the uh, Games on Demand folks. Uh, I played somebody's homebrew indie uh, thing, and I should actually look look up the title of that. Okay, um, well... <laughs> but um, I. Uh, but it was a uh, kind of a fairy tale thing, kind of 
situation where the uh, randomizer was to um, flip through a random page in a book and stick your finger down on the page and uh, try and interpret that as a scene prompt for what happens uh, next. And, you know, the game was, you know, the flavor of, you know, we were all bibliomancers or some such nonsense. And uh, the uh, flavor of your magic was very much like the kind of book you had. I ended up with, you know, a book of famous quotations and somebody else had, uh, you know, some more literature type things. Somebody had like uh, uh, fan poetry uh, or, uh, oh, what's that? God, what's that show where the brothers hunt monsters? Uh, <laughs> Supernatural. Supernatural, yeah. Somebody had supernatural uh, fan poetry. <laughs> oh dear goodness! <laughs> and, oh my! And oh, you know, it hurts. <laughs> it hurts so much. <laughs> so that was interesting. Uh, and you know, she was demoing her kind of game, and you know, that you get that a lot at kind of a games on demand thing. Uh, the other thing I played um, was. Uh, the folks that had the session zero system uh, demoing it in the hall. I played a nice long demo session with them about, you know, how, how they have prompts and stuff for your session zero. It's, you know, it, it has some microscope vibes, but it's also kind of more focused on character background generation because people don't write three page character backgrounds anymore. You know, they have some prompts and it, it makes it into a kind of a little game. Uh, and that was fun too. Well, so those are the two things I actually played. Kayla, you you interviewed one of the session zero people, right? Yes. And that that's yes, I did. that's on an episode that will come out before this one. So oh. you presumably <laughs> no one but me and Kayla have listened to it, but <laughs> we'll we'll more on them uh in your in previously. your feed previously <laughs> on FMRPG. Yeah, so I'm explaining something everybody knows. All right. Right. Uh but it no that's that's uh because not everybody listens to every episode unfortunately <laughs> you should all be ashamed if you don't no i'm i'm kidding i understand um but that sounds and it sounded awesome uh i th I, I think i want something like that because i tried to use microscope at the beginning of the campaign and it sort of worked <laughs> it sort of worked a lot more work involved i think to get microscope microscope to be that session zero that maybe people always wanted. So, um, why don't you look up the name of that uh, game and then let's see what uh, Kayla uh, Kayla got up to? Hmm, Kayla has to remember what Kayla got up to. Uh, the first day, let's see. I think Pax Unplug started on a Friday this year. I don't know if they always do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but um. So Friday was the first day of like actual events and the PAX Unplugged system really irritates me <laughs> the way that they do scheduling. Well, we'll talk, um, we'll talk about that as a compare. Yeah. Next. But anyway, <laughs> I got up and I did my like registration for the one. I just wanted to get like one game a day was my target. Um, So I played, I got in an old gods uh, of Appalachia game. Very nice for the for the day yeah i was super excited there was only 24 spots for the day so um or at least for the time frame that i was looking so 
uh, I was able to get into that live play on Friday. And then on Saturday, oh, Saturday, I used my networking magic and um, talked myself into being able to play a game of um, stealing stories for the devil which wasn't actually being ran at the convention, but I found someone at uh, the booth that was like, oh yeah, I've run that a ton of times. I could totally demo that for you. And if you get enough people, then I'll just run the full game with for you. So we got enough people and we were able to play that on Saturday, which was really cool. What uh, um, what, what kind of system? I, I haven't heard of this system. Is it like a story, uh, Powered by the Apocalypse? Is it like, what, what, kind, of, what kind of game I is it? I think it's its own... It's its own system from what I can tell. So basically you get like, uh, it's very little character sheet. Um, and, uh, you kind of are time agents. There's basically like weird things happening across time. So kind of think of like, uh, Loki and the time police or, um, it, it gave me paper girl vibes uh of like just like some anomaly happens and then weird things start happening around it but nobody recognizes or realizes that it's weird um so you kind of create that at the table you get the opportunity to basically pick your setting there's a whole bunch of maps and it's a heist and so you set you kind of set up your heist based on the narrative that you as the players drive. Um, so we picked a bowling alley and that was where this location was taking place. And the weird anomaly was that people were, their heads were turning into bowling pins and nobody seemed to like notice that, uh, that it is like a weird thing that's happening. So, okay, that yeah. that sounds <laughs> awesome. Like I I'd totally be out for that. And uh, apparently, it's a money cook game. But it not, is a money cook, but not cipher system. Okay, correct. It does not use cipher system. Um, it. I'm trying to even remember what dice we were rolling. Um, I mean, it sounds like more of a story game than a lot of money. It, cook, it, cook yes, games, the so. the dice are very low key involved. The it's a no prep game. So you don't have to like the DM doesn't prep anything or GM doesn't prep anything when you go into it. Um, you literally have the players create the story narrative at the table. And then the um characters are doing the heist, are like they have to figure out like what exactly they're stealing. Um, and so that could be known before you go into the heist, or that could be an unknown that you're looking for. We decided that it was known that there was a, uh, an object of like a bowling ball of some, some type of bowling ball that wasn't actually a bowling ball. It was filled with, uh, like nanobot that were basically under the incorrect assumption that humans should have bowling pins for heads. And they have decided that people are like horribly ill and they need to be like retransformed into bowling pin head people. So um, the epicenter of these microbots was one of the these weird bowling ball things. So that's what we were going in to try and steal. And we had three 
three character types that you could choose from. You could either play a character who could um, lie to people as part of their like special move. Um, you could play a character that can lie to objects. And in that, like you might, an example is like, you might come across a locked door and you lie to the object and say, you know what, you are just really old and you've been through a lot of time and very weathered and you have not been upkept and the lock just falls apart. And that's how you get into the, uh, the vicinity. Um, and then you can lie to time itself. And so the way that this played out in our story was, um, Tyler was playing with us in that one and Tyler was playing the light of time character. He was getting taken back to the back by the manager to be questioned and the manager wanted to call the police. So he used his light of time ability to say that the manager had actually forgotten to pay the phone bill this past cycle. And so when the manager picked up the phone to call the police, it was just a dead phone line. There was no ability to, to call the police. Um, and so you just kind of like tweak the story as you go with these weird lies that you can tell as an ability to like handle or manipulate the story. Um, and there's a card system that the GM has where they can like insert complications throughout. Um, and so that might be uh, someone else is called the police or um we had a like karen at the bowling alley that was very convinced that we should be getting her bowling pin and uh or her bowling ball out of this machine and not trying to like extract the one that was causing all of the problems from a different machine um during a an actual fire because i lied to some mechanic old pieces and caused um them to break down and that caused a fire which was another complication that we were dealing with so there was just a lot like there's a lot of little things that you can add in and it goes like it can go pretty quickly the story overall um it kind of depends on how much you want to throw in um but I had a lot of fun it was a really interesting like concept and uh and a really interesting way to kind of tell a story by changing little aspects of it as you do this this heist definitely had some aspects of like uh the oh i'm spacing the name forged in the dark system um in there of like being able to like tell things from a different angle but um definitely interesting to handle the complications with your lies because that's your like superpower and when you tell a lie it always works it's just the you roll dice to find out if you're going to have complications or not because of it that sounds amazing. Uh, did you play another game on Saturday or Sunday? Uh, I played in another pirate board. Tyler hadn't played, so I drug him to pirate board. Oh, I will have to ask Tyler how he enjoyed that. Uh, I'm assuming you enjoyed it as much as when we played when we uh, played that. I actually enjoyed yours a lot better. Um, and I don't know if it was because of the the situation that was happening but our our gm was just a little i'm when i say a little a lot of bit frazzled like he was snapping at players and i think it was just because he was on a really strict timeline that he wasn't comfortable with 
um, because they were doing this gigantic pirate Borg mashup uh, that evening of like, I don't, I don't even know what they had planned, but they needed the whole room to be cleared by a certain time so that they could set up for their giant pirate Borg shenanigans. Um, And so I think he was just a little flustered trying to like make that happen and tell a cohesive story because the story wasn't necessarily cohesive at all. That's that, you know, everybody, you know, constraints often make art, but sometimes can make uh, just another pile of garbage. So uh, that's that's unfortunate, but uh, I'm sure there was probably still some fun to be had there. It just wasn't uh, as uh, as good as uh, well. I was also <laughs> I was also doing some uh, entertaining, as it were. That wasn't necessarily what I would necessarily have, you know, sped everything up to that. How see last fall when we played Pirate Borg. Anyways, um, yes, it's a wonderful example of Pirate Borg, and it was a lot of fun, which is why I told Tyler that we should like try and get into a game of it because I thought he would enjoy it. And I think that he would have had it been a little bit different or less constrained. Um, but, and I think he still had a good time despite I just had higher expectations um, because I had played it before. So, Well, and I could see, cause I ran, uh, I ran uh, Morkborg um, live at one of our, our friend conventions. So maybe I'll, I'll run Pirate Borg. Uh, next time or something like that i have i have many borgs uh <laughs> i enjoy most of them uh but pyreborg is 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 definitely an example of things going a little bit differently than some of the other ones i like i like some of the the drug stuff in there so probably try to highlight that anyways they did run a um it was all an all land situation as well so we didn't actually experience the uh ship stuff in that either well i will say that the one part of what i i'm not i don't i would have to have a lot of time to try and get used to their uh ship combat because it's not exactly the same system so and it's also you know it's also about you know having big maps and moving things around and it's like it's kind of different from everything else you do in so. Yeah, the the thing that really threw me off when I was playing it at um, PAX Unplugged was they had this like ridiculously elaborate and just straight up gorgeous battle map set up. But I was like, this seems weird for a Borg game. Um, it was pretty, but like, I don't know that it was necessary. I think Theater of Mind would have been totally fine in that instance as well. Um, so. We had a lot of like people fumbling with like trying to move their miniature pieces on the map to help the GM keep track of where people were standing or where people were at. And that just kind of added to the the chaos or the clunkiness of the game, um, which I think Pirate Borg is one of those that I would say absolutely don't need to have a battle map or things thrown out necessarily. It's one of those that you can absolutely play theater of mine and have a, a fantastic time. Um, just kind of narrating. So. Yeah, I can to each I, their own. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, basically, I think a lot of games can be, you know, you can kind of like, are you in this? I almost say, 
room scale is more appropriate for a lot of games than than like square like everything you have to move so many squares or whatever like you're either on this boat or on this boat or you're in the ocean between like there you can be anywhere in this space <laughs> tell me where you're at um but yes so okay well that's that's unfortunate but uh i uh i i'm glad that you know it seems to be doing very well uh you know being one of the more popular of the morborg uh uh children so yeah i mean it was comp i this wasn't hard by any means but it was completely sold out every day um so they had tons of interest and tons of people coming by and checking out and playing which is always a good thing like having more people there and engaged and having fun is is a bonus so but i think old gods was the favorite of the the new games that i well I, I really like stealing stories for the devil too. So I don't know, but old gods was a lot of fun to play. Um, that was the first time that I had uh, had the opportunity to actually sit down and run through it. Um, I did kickstart it and I just haven't had the time to like actually pick it up and read through to see what was going on there. So it's a very big book from what I've seen, right? <laughs> yeah, it's... it's, I mean, it's not the, it's no swords and the serpentine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's fair um yeah so okay well i mean it sounds like you were having a good time with games did you do any uh, booth stuff did you were you uh, yeah i had all the hats on that okay. weekend um i was of course i'm affiliated with geek therapeutics so i was working um their booth occasionally i would pop in and pop out i was doing recordings for the podcast which you all um have had the opportunity at this point to have heard some of the interviews that i did um from the previous release um that was a lot of fun just being able to network uh hopefully we'll have a couple more people that i was managed i managed to get contacts from on in the future and what other hat did i have on oh networking for our nonprofit and um just kind of like getting to know more people in general within the realm i feel like i was doing all of the things and we happened her on into one of Tyler's old army buddies. Like we had no idea that they were there. Um, and it's, we just ended up picking up our badges and the same time, same place. It was the strangest thing ever. Um, but then we ran into them multiple times throughout the convention and he's actually working on building up his like network of people because he's working on becoming like a professional GM or at least playing in the space. And I swear, like every time we ran into him, I'm like, stop introducing me to people. I've met enough people. I'm good. I don't need to meet any other people. But they were always like, there was always someone that was very interested in doing something new in the space. So that was kind of cool. Um, I will say about PAX Unplugged was just kind of getting to see everyone and their different takes and their interests and how they are managing the the like rpg space and using it or um engaging with it you you would be i mean for those that haven't gone to like bigger conventions you would be surprised that like oftentimes when you're like wandering around doing things you will end up in the room with the same people over and over and over again like it's this weird like effect it, it's it's probably because you're both people are you're doing the kind of you have the same taste in something so you end up doing the same kind of events but it's just it's just one of those things with like i get into an elevator 
oh, it's you again. I, hello, I've met you for the last five years, multiple times per, <laughs> per, per convention. Uh, great. Good to meet you again. You know, how's, how's the kids, you know, it's a, it's a weird thing when you go to these bigger conventions like that. Yeah, um, particularly if you have any kind of niche taste, right? If you're <laughs> right, especially niche ta niche taste. Also, you should send that episode or uh, it, that the he wants to do professional GM. We did a episode with uh, Tim Woods, which I think is one of the first professional GMs uh, a few years ago. You might send him that episode. I'll I'll link it in the show notes because I think it's still relevant because he did the Green Knight RPG for A24 uh anyways awesome uh, i know he's growing his space so i'm sure he'd love to get him to listen right uh nolan did you figure out what game you had been playing yes uh the demo prototype game I, it's not available but it's called the open book uh and the designer is bf stanton b-f-s-t-a-n-t-o-n on that one bird site the, the formerly has, a bird site that has no name Yes, it's a placeholder, clearly a placeholder. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, clearly, it sounds like you guys had a good time. Um, I kind of wanted to do because I didn't go, so I'm just kind of like winging it here. But I kind of wanted to talk about like a little bit how it worked and how it kind of contrasted with the last big convention we talked about a couple months ago, Gen Con, because it's only been a couple months, even though it feels like it's been six months to a year. <laughs> so it's it sounded like i mean this that there was a scheduling thing that was weird that everybody kind of talked about and i was like i don't want to talk about it i want to talk about it on the show which was like you had to sign up for your games at eight o'clock in the morning every day is i hate is it yes you had to get up at like seven fifty five because let's be real, my alarm clock was literally going off right before we had to sign on and get into the system. And then the first day, I don't know how it was the, I don't know if anyone had problems the other two days, but the first day in particular, the system had like a whole conniption about people, everyone being in the system at the same time. And so Tyler and I both are trying to get into old gods and Tyler actually clicks in before I do, but his doesn't load before mine does. So I end up getting into the old gods and he does not get into the old gods um, just because the internet is doing internet things. And you have to use their PAX app to be able to book things. And it's not super user-friendly in figuring out, did you actually get the thing through? Like it says it went through but then it goes to like a weird spot and you're supposed to present a green screen when you get up to the check-in and it's not super easy to navigate back to so um yeah that was not my favorite I they sent out a PAX Unplugged survey and that was like the one thing that I kept continuously dinging them for was do something different please please don't make me wake up super early every day Especially if I want to like hang out with friends or play games until midnight. I don't want to be getting up in the morning to queue so that I can get into a game at three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, and I think that that's the second biggest difference is from um, 
Gen Con in that like scheduling realm that there's just not a whole lot of options for games. There's some, there's a few, not a lot. So one game a day is probably what you can expect to get into feasibly when you're talking packs unplugged. Well, that sounds like a pain in the ass, uh, a royal pain in the ass, because that's not nobody. The thing about most conventions is the early game, the earlier the game is, the less in the day, the less likely anybody's actually going to go to it. It's just how everything I've ever seen goes. So gamers are not exactly morning people for the most part. I mean, I know as I get older, I tend to get up earlier, but like that's let's be honest, you know. This is if you're in your 20s, you don't want to be up before 10 o'clock in the morning most of the time, especially if you've been partying the night before till three in the morning. Uh, anyways, uh, Nolan, did you did you have fun with this uh, particular system as well? Uh, no, I did not schedule shit because I do not, <laughs> did not have a legit badge. I totally scammed a badge. And um, so I did not have access to the app. Uh, which, of course, meant I was playing games on demand and demos and so forth. Uh, but that's not, like, out of character for me. You know my Gen Con thing where I'll schedule a few things maybe, but mostly play games on demand. And also, if there's something interesting on the schedule, I'll go there with generic tickets and try and uh, sneak my way in there. Uh, I will say that points us to another area where this is different from Gen Con is uh, this is uh, one price all in, no tickets, no whatever, no extra fees, right, to play an extra game or whatever. Uh, it is, you know, you just try and get your ticket lottery in the morning or you go to Games On Demand. Um, that's kind of your options there. Uh, but it is nice to not uh, have that extra expense on top of thing by the same token like gen con does control demand for some of these games through price right like the, well i thought know. i thought that the uh, gm set their own price yes at gen con they do at pax of course if you're offering a game if people get into it they get into it if they don't they don't you don't and nothing nobody at pax you Pax Unplugged is getting uh, paid or anything, as far as I know. I mean, I'm not, you know, privy to the internals of the cons workings. Uh, from what I understand from talking with some of the Pirate Board guys, it sounded like the, they don't get paid per se, but they get, like, benefits from badges and certain perks and things. Like, that's their payment method is non-payment and other things. Right. Which is the traditional way most conventions outside of Gen Con have been doing it, which is right. you get so many hours of GMing, you get a badge. And it used to be way back in the Gen, Gen Con days is when they were got bigger, you could earn hotel rooms just by I believe games. you still can. But I think if, you can, but it wasn't this. It's not this. At this know. point, it is like eight hours a day for four days to earn a hotel room like it, it's a lot of jamming it's a lot of work yeah you're basically being paid you're basically <laughs> you're you're basically working the entire convention yeah um to in order to be at the convention which yeah and then you get the, your evenings off right like, <laughs> like yeah. 
Right. And um, that, I mean, it's interesting to me that because this is this is scheduling is always a problem at every, at every convention I've ever been in. Like we there's because, you know, Kayla mentioned the survey and, you know, people always do these surveys after the convention and the things that people you you will all no matter how good your signs are, people will always say you didn't have enough signs or the signs were not good. You always try to put more signs up and they still say they're not good. And the other thing is your scheduling sucks. Do something about it. And <laughs> I sort of almost at the opinion that there's no good way to schedule things. But PAX Unplugged sound, sounds like they've found a worse way of doing it than even Gen Con with its terrible lottery system that is just like a literally a, a Oklahoma land grab is what it sounds yeah. like. <laughs> so I was actually interested for, from your opinion, RBK, the only scheduling system I thought was any good was uh, what you explained to me about Big Bad Con. Was that good or was that terrible also? Um. Well, that you did... You had some kind of wait list, but it processed each morning. Yeah. Well, no, it was it wasn't a wait list. It was a um like you got to pick out two of your your top two games, basically. Okay. To start off with. And you only got to choose two games. Okay. And then everybody got that option to choose two games. And then a couple weeks later, after everyone had like had the opportunity, had had weeks of opportunity to figure out what their top two games would be. Mm -hmm. Um, then the next round released and you got two more games that you could add on to that. And then I don't know if they did another round and then just opened it all up, but there was some type of like leveled system of releasing. Yeah, there were there were two there were two rounds of that and then they just said sign up for whatever's left. Um okay. And I think to me when you have and Obviously, uh, Big Bad Con is a very, it's like a tiny little convention. They are hyper-focused on RPGs, and that's the reason they take up such so much room in the, in the RPG world. But uh, it's, it's that, like, I, I like that idea of, like, okay, you can, and we, I've tried that at, at convent, running, when I was running conventions, I tried that sort of thing. And there were some people that were like really on it. And then there's some people that just wouldn't sign up till the guy at the convention. Like, but we didn't have the problem of like, there wasn't something else for you to do or like enough games for everybody to play in. Like we weren't where big bad con, you definitely there. I mean, there was always games on demand, which is the thing. I think this most schedules need that as a, overflow if you're like a really active convention the overflow of having like well these these guys have a circus tent over there maybe you can you can get in over there right if you have if you know that they're they have enough space enough gms um there's always that like but i i i think that the scheduling that sounds like a way to make people anxious. Like <laughs> seriously, I could see anxiety being a huge problem at PAX U for those people that like, like have to like set three alarms to get up in the morning. And it just, it sounds like a, uh, it sounds, it sounds kind of terrible. And I, I and understand. you could wake up at 8am and 
not get anything. at 805 and, you're like i got nothing to do all day right like yeah if well, you don't that, get your that things, was the right. thing right like you i i felt like you could only really realistically get one game signed up for through that system with how fast everything just went um and so i that my compare and contrast if we're talking gen con is gen con i can realistically if i want to which i never want to and i don't recommend to people who like enjoy not feeling like crap after a convention um but if i wanted to i could theoretically be in games back to back to back from 8 a.m until midnight easy at gen con um i could probably i don't even know how many games that would end up being but a lot a lot of games a day and so that's a big difference between feeling comfortable in getting one game in per day at PAX Unplugged versus all of the games that I could like physically attend at Gen Con. Right. But those games you would play from 8 a.m. to midnight, some of them would be games you didn't want to play because you were just trying to pack your schedule. Uh, if you have, you know, and maybe maybe that's not true, but I just, you know, I find that the selection sometimes like there are some amazing like hidden gems but it's really hard to get into those games and then there's like playing D. if that's your thing great but if you don't want to play D all day then you're gonna have some holes in your schedule basically well and that's the thing gen con i feel like you at this point in time at least can completely fill your schedule with indie games or indie adjacent games not DD basically you can get away with never touching DD at gen con and still have a full schedule versus at pax unplugged like there was a lot of DD going on there too um and i don't know how easy it was to get into obviously i was cutting my schedule short because or not short but like i wasn't including DD as a game that i was going to play at pax u uh that was not going to happen yeah i wouldn't I'm not I'm curious about what that would be like. I don't know because I mean I think there was a lot of D&D but it's also in huge demand right now. So it's like I don't know where that lies, where that ends up whether it's impossible to get in like obviously. I didn't And one of the things that either. was like wildly popular which was damn near impossible to get into because it filled up so quickly was there they did have Matt Mercer story time with Matt Mercer um was a thing that happened i can't remember if that was on friday or saturday i think it might have been friday but literally as soon as the doors opened people were getting in line for this noon story time and they they obviously it's convention space they have finite room um so unless you were like not one of the first hundred or so in the door you were not getting into the matt mercer story yeah, time the fire marshal has opinions about that too right like Yes. Uh, well, I mean, I uh, it's always interesting to see about these sort of scheduling things. I do think that the, you know, the big bad con or just have letting people like reschedule one event a day way ahead of time. And then as as things get closer, you kind of like let just let people you can kind of let people fill up games as things go on. Um, but. Anyways, um, so they're scheduling what? Okay, the the I and I don't want to dig too deep into Ken and Robin territory here, but 
how was the food situation? Because that's an important part of convention. A convention runs on its stomach. Uh, <laughs> how was the food situation at uh, PAX U? Um, great. So long as you have time to queue. Uh, the location is incredible because the convention center is right on top of Reading Terminal Market, which is this amazing like downtown market uh, thing. It's indoors. It's got dozens and dozens, probably maybe over a hundred little stalls, right, of little random local businesses, all with like great kind of local foods and coffees and you know vegetable markets and every other kind of little kind of shop you'd want in a cute downtown uh, place like that. And it's literally across the street from the convention center. Um, the problem is when you, when it becomes noon, 1230 and you dump a whole convention full of nerds into, you know, this little thing, which is, you know, kind of uh, this little market, it's of course got little aisles you know that aren't real wide because people are supposed to just walk through this market at a leisurely kind of pace on any average day and you've just dumped a whole convention full of nerds into these narrow aisles uh the queues at these little stalls and stuff get quite long i mean if you're like me and you're fine eating lunch at 2 p.m like it's not so bad like i went in and got a delicious calzone at like two o'clock in the afternoon that wasn't too bad um but yeah that at proper meal times, there can be quite a queue in, in there, but it is a great location for it. Yeah, I would say that if you take the scheduling thing out of the equation, right, and we're only looking at everything else, which is like hotels and food and ease of access with public transportation, Paxiu blows things out of the water. Uh, there's tons of hotel choices just right there. There's easy access through public transportation to get there. Um like whether that is taking the train or like flying in and taking whatever bus or Uber, whatever you're using um, to get to and from, right? There, there's tons of hotels that are easily walkable within that space. And then you've got the market that, which is totally fine and doable. And then there's a ton of restaurants right there too, outside of the market. So it's easy enough to just like, plan out dinners for reservation stuff, right? And then have the go-to lunch and maybe you adjust plus or minus on when you're normally getting lunch to kind of work around the heaviest portion of the crowd. But there was like a bomb Guatemalan Ecuadorian place inside that market. Um, and Tyler got this like just fried shrimp. It was just like 20 fried shrimp for, or something. Um, as a to-go thing and that was really good too um i don't think we ate anything there that was not good so definitely a phenomenal uh location as far as the food and the housing go well that i, I will say rbk we did take your uh recommendation and the recommendation from the folks on the discord and tyler and i attempted to get into the uh cyberpunk noodle bar yeah. But it had a line like halfway down the block. Damn. Sorry. <laughs> Turns out other nerds have heard of this. Yeah. Uh, so Fucking Saturday nerds. night, uh, <laughs> while Kayla was having dinner with her uh, 
folks from Geek Therapeutics, Tyler and I went over to have that, and uh, there was quite a queue there. Uh, so I had four cocktails and a cheese plate for dinner. <laughs> yeah, but I think that you should really tell the story of your four cocktails because the way Tyler told it, uh, he was telling this to me and to the CEO of Geek Therapeutics, who was laughing. We're both kind of like, yeah, you were trying to get murdered. That's what you were trying to do? Is that like, that seems like what you were trying to do. <laughs> I was trying to get murdered? <laughs> Well, the way that Tyler told it, it sounded super. We sketch. definitely tried to find this speakeasy place, right? And like, we definitely had, we definitely like, where the hell is the entrance to this speakeasy place that serves twenty dollars cocktails or whatever? Uh, and we were like searching around behind the thing, and I was like, oh, there's dumpster or whatever, like whatever. But like, then we once we got in, it was a perfectly nice place. Were we trying to get murdered? We were nice to everybody in there. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, no, Tyler. The... The getting there part is the oh, part the getting that Tyler part. sounds super sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> the getting there part was, yeah, it was hard to find because, like, it's inside this, like, boutique hotel thing, and the whole thing is called, you know, it's a bunch of, yeah, bougie cocktail nonsense. But, yeah, the the boutique hotel is called, like, the mortgage and insurance company or what. <laughs> like, it's not even named after a bar. And then you have to go into this little hotel lobby and find the secret door to the back and then the guy's rude to you and lets you in but but it's so what kayla is trying to lead you into telling is like you were wandering around the alleys in uh in philadelphia in the yeah. back alleys of philadelphia in the middle of the night looking for a bar is this yeah. uh, okay that's okay. absolutely correct but all right. I, okay. I don't know maybe i'm a all right <laughs> maybe i'm an idiot but i didn't feel well you danger, you but you may be uh you may be a knoll to this danger because you like to walk around in the dark anyways. Yeah, so. I walk around DC in under cover of darkness all the time. So Right. I, <laughs> compared to Tyler, who is more uh, situationally aware. Anyways, yeah. see your earlier conversation. Oh, no, I don't know that that was the case because Tyler was like, it was totally fine, too. But the way he was telling the story, both <laughs> myself and the other therapist were like, what were you doing? <laughs> no, <laughs> okay okay now i understand all right yeah, we were okay. both we were both fine with it all right we were probably in danger but yeah who cares <laughs> fair enough okay you had some danger you had some cocktails you had some food okay let's get down to the crux of this question right and i think i got kayla's answer already but i'm going to ask this question more directly are you more interested in 2024 and going to Gen Con or Pax U? Uh, Kayla, I'll, I'll let you uh, tell us that first and then. Yeah, you've okay. had a, a more complete con experience. <laughs> so for for personal fun, probably Gen Con. Uh, for networking purposes and like spending time with people, I think that Pax U is a better fit for that because I just end up having more time in my schedule to spend with friends and to network and to uh, do all of those like things that I wouldn't do at Gen Con or have time to do at Gen Con. Okay. Um, oh. Go ahead, Nolan. Yeah. So I somewhat agree. I think this could be a perfectly viable substitute for Gen Con as a place to to get the friends together for the con. Um, it's a totally the opposite time of the year in the middle of the winter instead of the end of the summer, right? Uh, 
it's all in the convention center. It's well organized. Once you're in the convention center, like everything's right there. It's all, you know, there's no going across to different hotels. There's none of that nonsense. The location's great. Uh, the scheduling's kind of a disaster. So I know a lot of people in our group would be very resistant to that. And I think that's probably the killer flaw there. Um, something I did want to point out is Pax uh, Unplugged seems to do a hell of a job about open gaming space. Like in the whole event hall, like, you know, even for things like the Warhammer area. And I'm saying, as I'm wandering around, there's like, yeah, we're holding tournaments here. Oh, and by the way, there's open space here. There was an open space where you could have beer and play games, and that was packed. And but even in the main, you know, convention hall, you know, if you've gone to Indianapolis in the Gen Con hall. Imagine if like all those play tables where people are playing Pokemon and all those other card games and blah blah blah. There's just acres of tables set out for uh those kinds of card game tournaments, but they also had just right within those groups of tables, like Oh, by the way, there's free play here too. just sit down and like do it. So there was tons of open gaming space all around as I wandered the place. And that was great. The housing availability is really great. I decided to come up, you know, I made my final decision to come up. I've been talking about it for a long time, but I made my final decision to come up like Thursday night before, and I was able to get a hotel room right, for that. Which is remarkable, even right. in most conventions. But right, for, I, you know, you know, I paid too much for it, but not like ridiculous. You know, like I paid more than you'd want to, but like it was available and it was not like ruinous. Right. Um, the dealer hall when I first went through there, uh, seemed smaller for some reason when I first went there, but as I moved through it, it was quite large. Uh, I wanted to call out that uh, when I did wander the dealer hall, I found an exalted funeral booth in real life. I had no idea there wasn't in real life, like well, there, exalted. There was one at uh, there was one at Gen Con as well. But How did I miss big. it at Gen Con this year? You, know, you it was uh, it was back there somewhere. You, okay, there apparently a, I missed it, but yeah, yeah. There, there was I a mean, real Gen Con's vendor hall is a nightmare situation. Yeah, it is like, a nightmare of <laughs> right. But maze of twisty little passages all around. Like Pax yeah. has like wide hallways. Yeah, they do have I feel nice like that's wide. why it feels like maybe smaller, but also yeah. it's pretty big. Um, but there's more navigation room at Pax. Yeah, there's yeah, definitely I feel like Gen Con applies a funnel system. As you go in the front of it, the the aisles are a certain width, and as you get to the back, they shrink. Which yeah. is a weird thing to do if you're unless I guess it's just the that the uh artist alley or whatever the artist uh acres or whatever you want to call it. But that's that's interesting. I mean, because a lot of the people I follow had boosts there. The like I you know, like yep. I'm sort of one of the reasons I wanted to do this other than to share this experience with the with the listeners was I'm curious about Pax U because a lot of my friends on the East Coast end up going to PAX U as well, and some of them go to Gen Con. So, like, Gen Con sort of being a pain in the butt in some ways. <laughs> yeah. But this sounds like it's a pain in the butt in, the, uh, in other ways, but I could always get around it in the way that anyone gets around it even at Gen Con, which is, like, 
you could just put out your tile and say, I'm going to run a game <laughs> who wants yep. to play a game and sit there for five minutes. And you all of a sudden you just have nerds shouting at you like, let's start. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I wanted to call it the open gaming space because the open gaming space, like they seem to be very generous with the open gaming space. Right. If you uh, could just mean, go ahead, Kayla. Gen Con didn't have games on demand this past year and, and yeah. PAX Unplugged did. So there's another Word on the street is it's coming back to Gen Con, but I I have contacts in that group. It seems like they're coming back. Well, which is yeah. good because that that is like a, a large majority of what I kind of want from a con anyways. So like mm -hmm. that's thus why, you know, Games on Demand was there last year and it was there this year. So I'm assuming that's going to continue. Plus, a lot of the people that are big in that space are East Coast, D.C., New Jersey people. So it's New York, kind of, yeah. yeah, New York, New York, New Philly. Jersey. Um, and I will say, I did want to call back, like uh, Dan, you were saying, you were talking, you've mentioned this briefly, but for those who don't like to plan, like you could get badges for Pax Unplugged up until the day of um and that wasn't an That's issue not quite well <laughs> up until no well, up until dan found himself on a train and was like oh shit saturday sold out <laughs> but you were coming up we were like 12 hours out so 24 hours out you would have been able to get a badge probably <laughs> That's correct <laughs> so, um and you also Plans had the slightly benefit ahead, of <laughs> throwback don't be like nolan yeah dan Play had a dan had a real badge he did not like do shifty stuff to get in he had a lot of people that were double well i ended up being double badged for a media badge and a expo badge because i was working the booth and doing media stuff and then tyler picked up one of the booth badges as well because he was helping set up and tear down um oh wait he just did set up but he was helping set up and so he ended up with one of the um expo badges as well so he had his four-day badge and an expo badge like we had all of the badges between the two of us um so it ended up being a non-issue but <laughs> they did sell out on saturday this year yep well you could be like my friend we called her two badge for a while because that was that she'd she wore both of her badges she earned for the every every <laughs> every convention so it'd be the one she bought and then the one she earned and you know it was a to change reference anyways uh <laughs> well so, okay okay, kayla, I, okay. Go ahead. I, I had a question for kayla uh so i'm not i don't want to poison your brain with what i think here um so but i want to ask you first uh did you notice anything about the demographics of the attendees that was different than gen con at all Not specifically, but so my I'd vibe, love to hear your take. My vibe on it was that there were more younger people than at Gen Con. There was considerably fewer like grognard kind of old timey people and lots more younger people. Uh I didn't a hundred percent pay attention like i was saying but um i sure i could i could see that, that that's there was I mean, a younger demographic there in like if i'm generalizing things um also i'm very much so realizing that i am skewed by my own experience there of like the people that i was spending time with 
mm-hmm. because I did have a lot of like time scheduled out uh, given my experience. So yes, I feel like there was a lot of, uh, I don't even want to say young because I don't like, I'm, yes, I mean, I've definitely not. grown out of the category of young at this point, but like Correct. at least my age, if not younger. So, right. Yeah. And maybe that's just the fact that it's a newer convention and all the old timers are like, ah, Gen Con is it. And like, well, I think PAX is a, it is, is a, a brand built on a web comic. So right. like you, you had to kind of grow up in the, you know, late 2000s to really kind of get and and then became big in the video game space so like that's gonna skew younger anyways especially for people that grew you know so i I can see it i mean i'm it's interesting to see you know as it grows i'm assuming you know that's just kind of how you know new conventions you you do get a, a a good mix but i think it's just the brand of uh build on video games but but that's cool i mean we need we need younger people to replace all all us olds who are dying off so um rumor has it i cannot confirm that this was the case because i wasn't there but rumor has it that like some of the the panels still remained pretty um non-diverse like in their in their push towards like what does the new gaming space look like um it sounds like there was still kind of a lot of the old going on there um not as much representation as one would hope in like pushing forward in new platforms and new gaming i was not there so i'm not 100% certain this is just the rumors that i heard about town um but there were also like i don't know that gen con has the type of um, panels that the, I only went to the one, which was the um, geek endangerment panel that geek therapeutics put on, which you can hear about with my interview with Alicia, but um, like that seemed pretty inclusive and a really safe space. And that, that was interesting to see within the packs, like well in a convention space in general. Um, so I think that there, there is a mix there that that exists um i just don't know i didn't participate in a lot of the panel stuff just because i was very busy that weekend but um that is something that might be interesting to check out in the future yes well that that is a um is a you know it continues to be an issue in the gaming space including the controversy with uh indie dev uh day uh recently but uh Anyways, that that sort of has been rectified. So, anyways, I, I'm glad that you both had a good time. I'm I'm interested to hear, uh, I'm I'm interested to hear the feedback of other people that went after this after this is released. Um, I am really tempted. I you know I, I can understand the you know the good and the bad. Uh, but I'm still kind of tempted to have a new experience. So. Yeah, course, if you went and if you're listening and you went, hit us up in the comments or on the Discord. We, we'd be love. We'd like to hear what other people thought. Yes, and uh, you know, I uh, the, it, what makes it somewhat difficult is it's sort of like that close to uh, that the the uh, the winter holidays, and so I'd be flying back and forth across the country multiple times within a few weeks of each other. Anyways, 
<laughs> and I'm not, that's not my thing. So anyways, I appreciate uh, you, you telling us uh, about this stuff. Is there anything you haven't mentioned yet that you'd like to quickly mention here at the end of the show before I get into the uh, plugs and the farewells? Nope. Uh, if you can stand a little anarchy in your scheduling and are willing to fly by the seat of pants, it's a good, it's a good alternative to Gen Con. If not, you might want something with, uh, you know, more structure to the scheduling. And I mean, kind of going off of that, if you're cool with having a just more chill experience in Gen Con, because that's really what it ended up being for me was like just low key, nothing much scheduled. I just kind of went with the flow of things. Then Pax Unplugged seems like a, a totally fine alternative. No gods, no masters. I want to thank, except our, our friends, friendly friends over at patreon.com slash fullmetalrpg who support us and uh, bring bring us, bring you, us to you. Uh, and I really appreciate your, their help. If you think that we are a valuable resource, perhaps go over there and join them. Uh, and uh, I really appreciate you listening. Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Thank you.